This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, good news Tuesday for you with calls and texts all across Canada and your stories of sharing the good news. Remember, good news makes good news babies. Coming up, my conversation from earlier on Tuesday with Greg Fish from the side of a highway in a desert. Seriously, world of weird things coming up. Are we desensitized to violence and violent stories? We asked that question after the tragic school shooting in Texas on Tuesday. Your calls, your texts, your comments here. It's the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Good news, everyone. It's about time for some good news. Oh, 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 yeah. Tell me something good. Look for some good news. Tell me something good. The number again, 877-399-9898. Your calls, your text messages. In fact, if you add us as a contact in your phone... Uh, you can save us as a favorite as well. And then just one touch text, one touch dial in to share your good news. I want to start the good news with an acknowledgement again to Vic, Vic Roshkoff, who shares his watercolor paintings on Good News Tuesday at shiftheads.ca. Uh, this one is the side of a house with a very pretty veranda. Uh, it's stunning work, Vic. We appreciate uh, that as part of Good News Tuesday. And um, that's the glory of our Facebook group. Shiftheads.ca if you want to connect with that or any of the things we talk about here on the program. Good news. In the last week, I've gotten back in touch with two very important people in my life. A former foster child I lost touch with almost 30 years ago and an adopted son who left 10 years ago. Both found me on Facebook and reached out, much rejoicing in my family from Cat and Kimberly. That's good news. I love that story. I have my good news to share, which was my very first trip into a dispensary. Here's the story. It is the birthday of uh, the my ex-wife, the mother of uh, my, my kids. And so I said to the kids, what do you want to get for mom? And they all, they're both saying like, oh, man, mom's too hard to shop for. So just get her a gift card. And so that was sort of the plan. And uh, so we did, got her a gift card to Lululemon, as you do. And then I said, yeah, but there's got to be, like, can we get her a treat? Like, does she have a favorite chocolate bar? I mean, I don't know. I've been divorced for nine years now. Like, does she have a favorite chocolate bar whatever? And um, no, she likes these sugar-free candies. I was like, well, that's boring. We're not doing that. Yeah, but she likes them. I don't care if she likes them. I'm not buying her sugar-free candy, birthday or not. Come on. And um, so what can we get? Ideas bounce around. Why don't we get her edibles? <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. I'd only recently learned that um, she thoroughly enjoys the edible gummies. Ooh. So I said to my daughter, I said, well, uh, text uh, her husband and, and find out what she likes. I wouldn't know where to start. So we got some tips. Don't get mango. Don't get watermelon. And I walked into the disp- dispensary, confident as can be. Walked up to the, the the fella who was very excited and said, hey there, I wonder if you can help me out. Uh, I'm not really an edibles kind of guy, but I'm trying to buy a birthday gift and um, I need some gummies. And he opens up the menu. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, you got a menu. Yeah, and I was so channeling cool. my inner Ryan, right? Like I was walking in. I was like showing off my sneakers. I was literally like, I was Good. like, I'm going to be Ryan O'Donnell right now. And uh, he's showing me the menu, and he suggests this one. I'm like, yeah, no, we can't do mango. Well, this one has um, some, okay, so THCs, they get high stuff. What's the stuff? The CBD. CBD. This one has some CBD, so we'll give you the mellow. And I'm like, yeah, it's a birthday gift. I, it's not for me. Um, so anyway, he helps me finish it off. We, I bought two packets. I mean, I'm feeling badass at this point. Like I, I right? it's like I naturally inherited a tattoo when I went there. Like, I, I, I did. I was like I was leaving on a on a Harley Davidson. I felt so badass. And we finished the transaction, and I said, "Thanks so much for your help." And he said, "My pleasure. I love selling weed." <laughs> and he was so happy, and he was so talkative. In my mind, I'm going, "I'm pretty sure you like speed, not weed, based on how much you're talking and how fast you're talking, there, buddy." But he did. He was just happy as can be to be selling weed. That was his jam. He loved it. He was happy. He was happy to help. And I just wanted to acknowledge the amazing customer service, that dude for finding what his jam was. And um, and uh, I, I, I felt particularly badass. So 
Yeah. I'm proud. You bought you bought drugs and it was legal. It was like you were supporting the local economy by buying drugs. Yeah. That's yeah. when you think about it that way, it is objectively kind of badass. But I have also found that the bud tenders uh, are all very nice and they know the products very well. I, I think they, they, they'll help you out. And uh, yeah. I also, I don't know, did you find that, I found that when I went in for the first time, there was no judgment that I had no idea what I was doing. Like they were, they were just like, oh no, he was good here. Exactly. Well, the lady in front of me, uh, she was a pro. She walked in in front of me and I'm guessing she was 70. And they greeted her by name. They're like, hello, Mrs. Smith. Excellent. <laughs> and um and then she you know they're talking about the what's new and what's what's good and she wanted to try something new and they talked about burn like they wanted she wanted her marijuana cigarette to burn evenly and and then he was the 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 very very happy weed guy was talking about how he's like ah it, it burns this stuff burns very evenly so you don't get any dead spots because I don't like that and she this little old lady uh, she's like oh nobody likes that she says and I'm just like wow see you can't stereotype people because she knew and then she went up to pay and then um he looks at her and he says you're a member you're a member right Mrs Smith or whatever for her I don't know what is it points or whatever they do your weed points or something. And, uh, and then, and he, she was like, yeah. And then she started to say her member number and he finished the number for her. I remember four, three, two, one or something like that. And I was like, wow, you really can be like Norman Cheers here. You can just walk in and everybody knows your name. And, and, uh, and yeah, so that happened. <laughs> I just thought it was amazing. Excellent. <laughs> Why do they have such big stores for weed when they don't have anything in the store? It's just a counter. Well, usually there's, you know, the big tables with all the products where you can smell the different strains and there's lots of space for like advertising because they can't advertise outside. So they yeah. put a lot of advertising inside. That's my guess. Huh. I don't know. There wasn't much going on there. You could buy some vapes, some T-shirts. And that was about it. Anyway, uh, that's my good news. I felt particularly badass. It was amazing. Um, although it, it was, I did have a moment of gratitude about how life changes. And um, uh, the kid's mother, since, you know, uh, since I got divorced or whatever, you know, life changes. It's been nine years, right? Like we change a lot. And I said to my daughter, I was like, I can't believe that my daughter told me where to go. Because I was like, we have to find a cannabis store. She's like, up here on the left. <laughs> and I, I was like, uh, I can't believe my daughter just told me where to go so I could um, buy marijuana edibles for my newly tatted ex-wife. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a strange thing. It's a strange world. When I was a young person, this was all illegal. <laughs> and here I am buying it as a birthday gift with the help of my kids because so they could give it to their mother. The what world's a, world. a different place, man. The world is a different place. Gail is in Toronto. Hi, Gail. Good evening. What's your good I, news, buddy? Um, you know, everybody referred to putting on weight during COVID, and I certainly did, I with did the too. help also of a medication that I was on that may cause weight gain. Mm -hmm. And I just like the world to know that I just lost 25 pounds. Wow. Good for you, Gail. What was the change you made? Uh, changed the medication and started trying to move around a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding, right? I mean, sedentary. I called it, I called mine my COVID-19 pounds, Gail. That's what mm -hmm. I feel like it was. Um, so what kind of movement were you doing? Were you just walking more, just getting around the house more? Were you uh, getting in any classes? What did you do? Um, just mostly just more walking, but... I had been told even just simple things like a pop bottle, you know, use it like a, a, a weight mm -hmm. and just dumb things like that. Yeah, it, it works. It does. It does. And you feel better. It's true. Uh, you know, there's another one that I was told for simple. If you like the simple things, you want to do the simple things to just kind of get more, more steps in your life. Mm -hmm. A couple of tips I was told was with your groceries, right? Um, if you're walking with your groceries and the bags aren't heavy, you can do it. But if you just even curl them five times, like lift them up to your shoulders and put them down again, as long as it's not too heavy because you don't want to hurt yourself. Uh, <laughs> but when you pick them up, do it. 
and to do it five times. Another one that a friend of mine does, um, still does to this day, um, goes into, and he's a guy who worked out tons and tons and tons and lost all kinds of weight through the course of his life and got fit. The very first thing he does when he goes to the grocery store is he goes to the produce section and he picks up potatoes, usually five-pound bags or 10-pound bags, right? One in each hand. And he had lost, I think it was about 30 pounds, so maybe 20 pounds, maybe two 10-pound bags. And he goes and he picks up those two 10-pound bags of potatoes and he walks up and down every aisle of the store to the other end of the store and then back again. And then he puts down the potatoes. And that's his reminder before he buys groceries of how tiring it was to carry around 20 extra pounds just walking around the grocery store. And that's his reminder. That's one thing that he always did to uh, before he bought his groceries. And then he would make his decisions about what he wanted to eat. And that way, when he bought his treats, he loved his treats and he because they loved them. But he didn't buy the wasteful treats that he didn't really care about. I thought that was a good tip. That is. Uh, and years ago... A friend of mine wanted to lose weight, and she would go into the dairy department, look at the butter, and if say she wanted to lose 20 pounds, she would count out 20 pounds of butter and look at it oh, and wow. imagine that sitting on her body. Wow. Yeah, that would be profound too, wouldn't it? Um, so it would. tell me, Gail, <laughs> with your, with your, your medication change, uh, that must be tough because you're taking medication for a reason, and if you know it's going to help you out, I'm assuming you sought out some help from the doctors and got everything adjusted right, and that, that was a big contributor to this? Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, um, when that young fellow from the Foo Fighters died, and they said he had 11 substances in his body, mm -hmm. and I had a chat with a couple of friends, and we're all sort of going, well, gee... I take this for this and this for that, and they all have some kind of may cause dizziness, may right. cause frequent urination, may cause mm -hmm. weight gain, every one of them. So you have to be careful. But I got yeah, off attention. it, you know. But anyway, Good for you. thank you That's for amazing. listening. That's amazing. Good Thank night. you, Gail. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And uh, the reason why I ask Gail those questions is because, you know, Gail's not the only one who's navigating, you know, medication and, and all the different things that are going on in our lives and trying to somehow make this all work, right? So that's that's fantastic good news. Thank you, Gail. Gail lost 25 pounds. Shares it here on Good News Tuesday. I've reached level 12 on Tetris from Catherine. Last week was level 6. This is good. There's a good progression here. Three more levels to go, and I will be at the top of the mountain uh, looking down at the beautiful fields of butterflies and buttercups. <laughs> Catherine, you're funny. Uh, it is good news Tuesday here on the shift. Let's go to one of my favorite shift heads of all time that I have not heard from. We were just asking about you, Ursula. Recently, I said to Ryan just a couple of weeks ago, we haven't heard from Ursula in a while. Ursula is yeah, in yeah. Oliver, BC. <laughs> it's nice to yes. hear from you. Oh, I listen to you guys every evening. I just don't talk to you every evening, that's all. <laughs> Thank you so yeah. much for that. What's your good news? My good news is they bought a fruit cocktail tree for in the backyard. You ever so, heard of that? No, I haven't, and I'm curious. What is it? Because I imagine it has multiple fruits on it, which I'm sure is not, not true. No, that's true. It has it has. Peaches, it has nectarines, and it has apricots, Italian plums, and cherries. Really? How big is this tree? Oh, it's about six, seven feet. Well, it doesn't have fruit, and we just bought it, right? Uh. Maybe next year we get some fruit on it, because the lady who does my fingernails told me, See, I got all kinds of fruit on my fruit cocktail tree. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> so oh, we went amazing. and got one. Anyway, you also said the other day when we talked about Canada, your favorite spot. And in the end, you said, most beautiful places all over BC, too. Mm -hmm. Remember that? I do remember that, yep. Yeah. So I said, gee, it's time for me to call up. <laughs> that's beautiful that might have been the that might have been the day that i said to ryan we haven't heard from ursula in a while oh yeah, so that's I fantastic so. wonderful well ursula it's nice to hear your voice thank you for sharing your good news yeah. i'm glad to hear about your tree and i appreciate you reaching out so i got to tell ryan that i also have crocs 
and I love them. <laughs> oh, you're the best, Ursula. Oh, you're so good. Uh, Ryan just heard that. He's smiling from ear to ear. So thank you so much, Ursula. You have a fantastic night. You too. Take care, you guys. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. 877-399-9898 in uh, Portage Prairie uh, is Stephanie. How are you, Steph? Me, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Tell me it your goodness. It was a rough weekend, though, but I, yeah. I got to it. And uh, my the bad part was it was my mom's funeral on Saturday, yeah. but yeah. I got to it and with a lot of support. And um, the good news is I I got through it, and everybody loved my story, all my mm-hmm. story about my mom. And um, one of the thing she she always like even years and years she always pulled practical jokes on everybody. Like <laughs> she always gave a a joke gift for Christmas and for birthdays. Mm-hmm. One of the things was she gave my nephew, she went down to Safeway. She got the, she knew the girl in the Safeway in the bakery department decorated this, uh, this styrofoam uh, cake form, took it home to her, her, uh, her nephew's place, my nephew's place. Mm-hmm. We got there. She, he asked, he, it was his birthday, so. Yeah, I'm asked, short on time here, Stephanie, so I need you to tell me because I don't want to have to cut you off, so please share. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. Anyway, um, she, he cut the cake. It was styrofoam, and it was oh, so, that's so funny, good. Shane. See, it I love it. So hey, uh, before, uh, before we let you go, Stephanie, what was your mom's name? Uh, her name was Shirley. Shirley. And well, she was 97 uh, to the... No way. She was 97. Yeah. Beautiful. Stephanie, I appreciate the phone call. And, um, you know, uh, for Shirley, our thoughts are with you on this weekend. And I just want to acknowledge, like, you so have defined what Good News Tuesday-ish is because you've taken an incredibly different we- uh, difficult weekend in saying goodbye to Shirley and turned it into uh, the perspective of being surrounded by family. So uh, it's beautiful, Stephanie. I couldn't have uh, – what an example you set for all of us. This is the Shift Podcast. We need to hit the road for the world of weird things. Welcome to the world of weird things with Greg Fish. Greg Fish and the world of weird things joins us uh, with a pre-record. Normally we do this live on the radio. Greg's in California. Um, and just for the sake of some travel, uh, this is Greg Fish on the side of a highway earlier in the day uh, from Tuesday. Hey, Fishy. How's it going? Good. How are you? Things are good. You're okay on the side of the highway? You didn't get mugged or anything? Like, is there a code word like pineapple or something we should be using? That is a great, but we should have probably talked about that before we started doing this. Uh, I'm just going to put mm. it out there that I'm not broken down on the side of the road i'm just on the side of the road to record this so okay cool well thank you very much i appreciate that yeah anyone who's worried i'm fine anyone who's upset about that i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry um worldweirdthings.com greg fish's website it's a blog it's podcast there's all kinds of things for you to learn there and experience on there as well the topic you've brought forward today uh is a topic that i'm not familiar with and when people hear the word, they might not quite, I guess they, they might kick into something that it's not. So I'm excited to talk about it. World of Weird Things explains what is transhumanism. Okay. Sounds like a mouthful. Yeah. So transhumanism is one of those topics that you you hear it and you go, what the heck is that? Uh, but in reality, you've probably heard many different ideas that are born from transhumanism in your daily life. And you probably have a lot of influence in, in media, on, on TV, in popular science articles that all derive from this kind of ideology slash philosophy. Transhumanism was this concept coined by Julian Huxley in 1957, which essentially said that nature has done a fantastic job with the human species, but thank you very much. We will take it from there. 
we can now take over and do things that nature cannot. And so many ideas from that are things like genetic engineering and gene editing to cure diseases and essentially create designer babies. Cyborg technology derives from that. Uh, the idea that maybe one day we'll transcend human flesh comes from, from the realm of transhumanism. Uh, so there, And there's a lot of uh, science fiction and media that you're probably thinking of that explores these topics in depth. So we're exposed to it constantly. And a lot of times the root of it isn't mentioned. So that's why I really wanted to bring that up, to kind of draw that connection and say, hey, what does Blade Runner and Star Wars and Altered Carbon, uh, what do all these sci-fi properties have in common? They all derive from transhumanism. So transhumanism uh, being... I guess, is it manipulation? Is that the word? Because it sounds, I mean, it sounds harsh, but really it kind of sounds like to the true essence of, of the definition is manipulating the human part of the biology, physiology, all of those things into something that uh, it's currently not or not going to happen so naturally. Um, is that Am I hearing you? Yeah, that is exactly it. And we actually talked about this uh, idea as part of humans merging with machines segment. Uh, right. So that's yeah, the, we did. that's something that comes from that's something that comes from transhumanism. So all of these, it's exactly that's exactly that. We're essentially saying that we can now evolve better then nature can evolve us. And uh, there are, though, a few complications with that. Because it's one thing that we when we say nature can't evolve a second heart for us in case our original heart fails. So we should be able to design an artificial heart. Um, and mm -hmm. it, there's something completely different when we start talking about something like designer babies, for instance. So the idea that we can gain the full understanding of our genomes and start essentially customizing humans to suit our particular needs, uh, that is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Because first of all, it's probably not possible that we can do that Biology is, is kind of a, what's known as a squishy science because it doesn't really follow clear-cut rules like math and engineering. Um, and, it, mm -hmm. you know, we, it, genes can essentially literally take on a life of their own. So if we customize a person to essentially be really, really good at sports, well, nature doesn't care about that. It cares about your immune system and what you can eat oh, and yeah. where you can survive. Nature-nurture kicks in on that one, right? Like you can, you can design it however you want, but which way does it go? Exactly. So this is one of those things where nature has to be your guide. You can't get too crazy with customizing genes because nature will punish you with a pandemic or environmental change to which you simply will not be adapted because you're prioritizing completely artificial constructs that nature doesn't give two poops about. Well, you know, it's interesting when you say that and what I'm hearing when you say that, because you talked about evolution and I said manipulate. And so when you're talking about human beings as one particular being, we're not really evolving when we manipulate who we are. Society could, involve, could evolve, community could evolve, but that particular human really hasn't evolved. They've actually just been manipulated. So I guess it really seems to take at what point is, uh, at what scale are, is evolution happening? Is evolution happening on an individual human scale? Um, designer babies would be that example. At the same time, though, if we just manipulate one human for the improvement of the society, are we looking at a community or a societal evolution or an individual um, evolution, which kind of gets wild when you think of it from that perspective? Well, the problem is no one knows the answer to that question. Anyone who says they do is lying because this has never really been tried before. Uh, there's definitely been massive sudden changes in societies, and they have not gone over well. Uh, translation, just take a look outside and read the news for five minutes. Like Society yeah. does not handle rapid change extremely well without a really, really, really firm game plan. And that's when you start getting into other questions of authoritarianism versus democracy. So, for example, someone like mm -hmm. me who's lived in an authoritarian country would argue that authoritarianism always fails because authoritarianism demands a rigid system that can't adapt to changes. And in the end, you, what you end up doing is you end up with people who are either conspiracy theorists or worried that everyone's going to get them because their far-fetched ideas aren't working out and they have no interest in governance or everyone mm -hmm. falls in line to appease them and doesn't actually tell them what's going on so they can't be ready for challenges whether as democracy 
though it may be messy or it may be imperfect, there are many iterations and you can constantly change course if something isn't working. So what does it have to do with transhumanism? Great, a great question posed hypothetically. Uh, but for example, in the United States right now, there is a billionaire named Peter Thiel, who's a huge believer in transhumanism and believes that he will one day be able to upload his mind to live forever in a computer. And society is just not moving fast enough for him. So what he's going to do is he's going to change how the government works and what, raw, what rules are there, what policies are there, and what laws are passed in order to speed this up so so he can get his brain uploaded to the cloud faster. And um, mm. I don't think that I really need to go into a very deep explanation as why this is a terrible, terrible idea. Well, I mean, it's a terrible, terrible idea just from the very basics of Google's going to charge him fourteen ninety five a month for the rest of his life. Or for the rest of our lives, he's better have a lot he of money af- set aside. Well, he can afford it. He's a he's he's a multi multi billionaire. He'll be. I'm not worried about that part. I'm worried about what Thielbot is going to have uh, in store for America 7.0 when he needs to restart it and wipe it again because it still isn't working the way that he wants. The way it was supposed to work. Yeah, I just go back to that time where they told us that uh, paperless society was so much easier. But then nobody mentioned, by the way, you're going to have to pay for the hard drives and the digital storage over and above what you pay for your filing cabinet. And not only that, no one's mentioned that because it's so easy to create paperwork, we're going to have a hundred times as much paperwork and it's going to be so, and there's going to be so many things to store and so many things to keep. So again, (laughs) and by the way, you're going to still print a copy as a backup. Yeah, because, because you need to just in case for the most important papers. So again, that, that brings us back to this concept that we can somehow engineer ourselves and ultimately engineer society around us better than nature can better than uh than we would naturally naturally develop and honestly i it's one of those things where you can see where in some cases humans should really lead themselves where we want to go and and really Mm -hmm. apply a firm hand especially when it concerns uh medical issues especially when it concerns genetic diseases there are things that we can do and there there are ideas that we can take from transhumanism to make our lives better but if we really ultimately follow it down its road we end up in this very pseudoscientific territory that's full of scams, that's full of dangerous, wishful thinking, that's really not founded on anything. So, for example, again, if we go back to uh, to the fact that one of the people who is trying to manipulate uh, the United States in all sorts of horrifying directions really believes that he can upload his mind to a computer, and that's simply not possible considering everything we know about biology, everything that we know about neurology, everything that we know about uh, computer science. It's just it's not something that can be done possibly ever. I mean, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of terrifying where we have yeah. we have a lot of powerful people who believe a lot of pseudoscientific stuff that derives from this uh, from this ideology. And this is something to be aware of, you know, when you see these, when you see these things explored in science fiction, when you see a lot of these things creeping into, uh, into, into popular media and into the news, one of the biggest things you should ask yourself is, well, I've heard about this and I know that some parts of it are good and some parts of it are bad. So I should go and I start, should start doing my own research. You know, let me take a look at what uh, reliable sources have to say. And by reliable sources, I mean uh, different medical journals, doctors, uh, actual experts. There are all sorts of, um, there are sorts of TV shows actually uh, on, on different popular science channels that, that go into depth and explore these concepts with actual experts who have really good takes on this. Um, so you could look at it from the standpoint of, oh my goodness, let's despair. There's people who believe this pseudoscientific nonsense. But you can also take it from a standpoint of, Oh, I can empower myself to understand these topics and to make my decisions accordingly and and mm-hmm. and to to put my to invest accordingly into these promising companies and to make sure that I vote for people who are not backed by lunatics who right. think impo- who wow. think impossible things. Well, you think of a guy like the storyline of Ukraine today, Vladimir Putin, nobody knows why, right? Nobody truly knows why or the end game. And so but imagine if that guy had uploaded his mind Uh, for eternity and has the power of all the computers and AI uh, truly behind him, how scary that whole notion would be. One thing that comes up, though, here, Fish, and 
um, you said pandemic there and that got me. And you also said, um, you know, the Hollywood movie storylines on some of these things. The one thing that both of those have in common is belief system that kind of kicks in here, right? Is that in the Hollywood movies, there's always the belief system of that's what the universe needs. The universe will get no matter what we try to manipulate it. And then with pandemics, you said there's always that sort of natural correction. There always seems to be that natural correction that happens anyway. Is this, is this truly a conversation about transhumanism as a notion, but then do we just dismiss it or do we just know or what happens with the natural correction that seems to happen? Because the belief systems of the world will say that it's not up to us. And then yet sometimes, even when we don't believe in the belief systems, we still seem to have the outcome that in the end, in hindsight, looks like mm, this was probably the outcome that needed to happen. So is this a belief system conversation sort of wrapped around it? I absolutely think so. And I'm so glad that you went there because here's, here's the most important thing to me about transhumanism. It is a coping mechanism for the fact that we as mortal human beings only have so much control of our lives. And the idea that we will take control over nature and design ourselves the way that we want and run the universe however we want in the end is a very, very grandiose way of doing that, is a very attractive thought. And I, as a person, want to believe that, especially as an engineer, especially with someone who works with AI, who programs computers, who can, who can see how some of these things could be pieced together. I want to believe it. But at the same time, having studied enough of it, I also understand that it is a coping mechanism. And there are some things that we can take away from it and, and kind of blunt the blow of the universe against us. But ultimately, the universe is going to work out the way that it's going to work out. And the best that we can do is to use the best of our knowledge to adapt with it. If we decide that we want to conquer the universe, if we want to shape reality to our whims, it will not work because eventually we're going to cross a threshold where we go from this is plausible to wishful thinking and this will always come back and bite us in the ass very, very, very hard. This is a non-negotiable part of existence. Yeah, and it's, I mean, the it, we always think we can control it, but the hindsight always tells us that the outcome was probably the right outcome that needed to happen, right? And so doesn't that get into that question? And I just had this conversation with my friend Neil uh, early on Tuesday, and I asked him, I said, we were talking about control. I said, and the biggest thing that you can look at this as is, do you want control or are you afraid of not being in control. And so many times in life, we live in the double negative. We don't actually live in the creation part. And we use the language like, it's not bad, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's not scary. Um, I don't disagree. We say that as well. We just can't say I agree, but we don't say we don't disagree. Um, and so we use these double negatives. And, and I'm kind of hearing this, this piece when you're talking about it here, that uh, we, we, transhumanism is a, is a beautiful thing. And I always think of like sprinters, right? At the Olympics, the, guy, the guys and gals who have the artificial springy legs mm -hmm. because they, they might, have, might not have legs from the knee down or whatever. The cheetah blades, yes. And, yeah, thank you. The, uh, the, um, and they run so fast, right? And so uh, it, what a wonderful progression of technology. You know, I guess you could call that a simplistic look at transhumanism, right? And, and so what a wonderful growth uh, a place to be to run faster. And yet, are we really kind of misusing this transhumanism as a control thing, as a, the grass is always greener, if only we could be bigger, stronger, faster, um, when the, the truth is really found to be centered in who we are, right? I, I, I guess I find that super curious that we always seem to want the grass is greener. We, we always want to explore what's next. We always want to be stronger and faster. And I think, and I, again, I think that that is laudable. I think just the big question is, when do we know when to stop? Because in, in, especially in the cases when you say, oh, this outcome needed to happen after 
something something really terrible is set up or a very unstable series of events is set up. So, for example, right now, the global supply lines and, and, and global uh, societies are adapting to the fact that we can't run our society anymore like it's the 1950s. We can't run it by right. consumption alone. We can't uh, stretch our supply lines too thin. We have to really rethink of how we measure a successful society and a profitable economy and a successful life. And there's going to be a point where there's going to be a lot of bad things happening in our current trajectory. And at the end, we're going to say, well, this was really nasty, but it probably needed to happen. It probably didn't need to happen, but we've set up a self-fulfilling prophecy where we backed ourselves into a corner because we thought we could do something forever, or we thought we had complete control over something for the foreseeable future, and we didn't plan ahead. So I think the biggest takeaway from transhumanism is to A, plan ahead, B, educate yourself on what's possible, and C, make a plan on how to deal with the things that you are trying to tackle. But the most important part, D, is not to exert yourself to the point where you think you're in control. You are never Mm -hmm. fully in control. You are just trying to do the best that you can do in the current moment and adapt. And it's that pursuit of adaptability that we really need to be after. Um, let me drill, drill that down into a real-life scenario. You can be standing on the surfboard and be in full control of standing on the surfboard, but are you really when the wave is taking you where it wants to take you, right? I mean, that's a very simple look at what is control. Um, I, I can't help but think of when you talk about transhumanism as being on the outside and in the outside world, um, maybe transhumanism truly is um, developing our inner selves and becoming more centered. That's my hippie self. I love that part. And so I can't help but think of, you know, where the growth happens. And like you said, you know, the, the always wanting more, always pushing harder, we, that, that's where we get. And it still, to me, comes from that, that place of, but what if I'm not enough, Right. And so that goes back to that double negative. So this is fascinating conversation for me, Fish. Uh, I love it. And it's so good. If you want to check out the entire article from Greg Fish, you can go to shiftheads.ca. It's posted there on the Facebook group. So you can link to the theworldofweirdthings.com. And he joins us live from the side of the road in the desert um, right now. And, uh, and, and pretty good with no air conditioning running. So it's not too loud in the background. <laughs> I suffer from my art as I must. No, actually, it's beautiful. No, actually, I just have the air conditioner on on low. I'm gonna. I, I can't. I can't help myself. <laughs> you can't do it. All I right. can't lie. Uh, that's fantastic. I love it. All right, fish. Thanks so much, man. Drive safely, and I really appreciate you being here as always. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. This is the Shift Podcast. In today's social media world, I've mocked it many times, but we do hashtag thoughts and prayers and hashtag you know blessings but nobody really does anything it doesn't seem to change but i want to give credit to the places where it does change and that's where people the ones we don't hear about because they don't happen now this is not a conversation about gun control i i really truly believe that and i'm glad he brought that up although the thing we have to keep in mind is crime is typically done with illegal guns and most of these stories when they come up it is a family gun or a legal gun that someone has acquired or built a stockpile of. And we hear that over and over again. Now here in Canada, we don't go through this. And so I'm curious, are we desensitized at this point? School shooting, uh uh-oh, you know, wait for the next bad one before it gets talked about. So this was a pretty interesting moment that happened in politics. And again, this is not our country. It is our neighbor. It is close yet far away. We as Canadians can learn lessons from how these things get dealt with, though, because we've had gun tragedies happen in Canada. Senator Chris Murphy reacts on the Senate floor after the shooting in Uvalde, Texas. He asks a pretty simple question, which I found profound. What are we doing? What are we doing? Just days after a shooter walked into a grocery store, to gun down African-American patrons. We have another Sandy Hook on our hands. What are we doing? There have been more mass shootings than days in the year. Our kids are living in fear every single time they set foot in a classroom because they think they're going to be next. What are we doing? 
Why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate? Why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job, of putting yourself in a position of authority? If your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing. What are we doing? Why are you here? If not to solve a problem as existential as this. This isn't inevitable. These kids weren't unlucky. This only happens in this country and nowhere else. Nowhere else do little kids go to school thinking that they might be shot that day. Nowhere else do parents have to talk to their kids, as I have had to do, about why they got locked into a bathroom and told to be quiet for five minutes just in case a bad man entered that building. Nowhere else does that happen except here in the United States of America, and it is a choice. It is our choice to let it continue. What are we doing? Well, you can't deny the numbers. And these are the numbers that everybody needs to hear. Since the massacre at Columbia and high, uh, Columbine, excuse me, high school in 1999, more than 300,000 children in the United States have experienced shootings at 320 schools, according to an investigation by the Washington Post. Those shootings have led to the deaths of 163 children, teachers, educators, and other people. Um, the U.S. government does not keep track of school shooting events. Now, before you go and draw a, a broad stroke of judgment on Americans in general, Rich uh, listens in Nevada, and Rich emails all the time and listens to the shift for as long as I've been hosting it. And um, Rich sent this in today, and I thought this was really good. And I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's really long, but it's Good News Tuesday. And Rich Dunn sends in his good news from Nevada and says, My good news is that Nevada isn't Texas. In Texas, where adults are allowed to carry a handgun without a permit. In Nevada, background checks are required for all gun sales, and you must obtain a permit to carry a concealed weapon. Guns are prohibited at public schools, child care facilities, VA facilities, airports, government buildings, and use of a firearm in the commission of a crime or being a felon in possession of a firearm brings stiff prison sentences. In order to qualify for uh, a Nevada concealed carry permit, you must meet all of the following requirements. It's 21, you have to qualify, you can't be a fugitive, you have to do a mental health test, and so on and so forth. In fact, the total list of numbers of things is 17. No drunk driving can, uh, convictions, stuff like you have to pay the fees. So um, uh, thanks, Rich, for that. I, I, I really want to just acknowledge the fact that it's not the same everywhere, and this is also not Canada. And I don't want to sound cold, and I don't want to sound callous, and I don't want to sound like um, we don't care, because we care. The empathetic self can't help but want to imagine what that phone call is like for those parents, or to hear the sirens and go to the school and look. The empathetic self, you know, we get it. And here in Canada, we just kind of go... Ah, guns aren't allowed, right? And I'm all for um, people owning guns. I really am. Um, I've, I've seen, I have friends who live on farms literally in the middle of nowhere, and they're held to their own devices. These are the same people, though, that they, they have permits on their guns, and they do all the proper things, and they know how to care for them. Guns that cause crime, no, uh, crime that's, crime that is executed on with guns is usually illegal guns. So the illegal gun trade is is really the big part of crime and guns. In this particular case, though, the children's access to guns just is different. Maybe there's just more guns. Maybe there's more guns in the houses. I don't know. Um, but we say we care. But have we become so incredibly desensitized or complacent to this violence that it only gets our attention when it's 21 kids? And I'm going to be honest in this, that Buffalo shooting from last week, I can't tell you how many people were hurt. And I, I, I mean, how many times did we hear that story? So we do get desensitized. Um, 
it, it's a hard conversation to have. But I want you to know that here in this program, we're committed to being able to have those hard conversations in a fair way that we can, you know, share our heart and, and ask questions and navigate our way through it. There's no way for us to know what's happening. And I, I'm calling the spade, the spade in this particular case. This is a situation where it was a shooting in Texas, right? It's far away. And we don't care. We, we don't. But at the same, because clearly nothing gets done about it. But at the same time, obviously we care. It's confusing, right? You care because nobody wants to see this happen. And so we're just calling it for what it is, is that this is very, very scary stuff. And here in Canada, the rules are a little bit different and they seem to be working, at least in the favor of school shootings. And that's worth acknowledging. It truly is. Uh, my heart breaks for those families. I did have a moment today where I thought, what would happen? Um, what would happen if that ever happened to me, if I lost my kids? And like immediately I get emotional, right? Like I can't even imagine that. I can't imagine going on. Uh, there was, there was a piece that I was watching and I know you guys tease me often for watching Downton Abbey, <laughs> but, and this seems like it's a bit of a stretch, but there's a moment in Downton Abbey where, uh, the character of, uh, Michael Crawley d- dies and his mom is there and they say, you know, how are you doing? And she said, as a mother of an only child, everything you've known, everything that you've grown into, everything that you've possibly done in your life was for one reason. And that was to be a mother. And when your child dies, not only is this person gone, but everything you know is gone. I'm no longer a mother. She says, that's profound. That can't be forgotten in this. 877-399-9898 in Langley, we have James. Hi, James. Hi. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, um, well, I was just kind of thinking maybe it's on the subject of school shootings and just shootings in general, but like maybe not so much this week, but last week. Um, not that mental health isn't important, but it's just interesting we talk about um, like we'll say lone wolf shooter or we'll say this or that, but like we know the one from last week, they, the guy, a lot of these people will post their manifestos online or right. what have you. And we know that there's quite a few that kind of subscribe to, you know, very white supremacist um, ideologies, but we still call yeah. them, we still call them uh, lone wolf shooters. But then there's the double standard that down in the States, you know, if there's black on black crime or gun crime will say well you know maybe it's thugs or it's inner city or whatever yeah well there's not a doubt there i'm going to push pause there for one sec james and thanks thanks for bringing this up i mean this is part of the confusion that comes with it and you're right there's absolutely a double standard in how this gets reported without a doubt um i don't want to i don't want to step away though james from the specifics of this particular one because we can speculate and all we do is this is a terrible example but all we do is we put more noodles in the spaghetti when, when we speculate too much on it. And, um, so to your, to your point about ideology, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to include white supremacy uh, in this conversation only because of the fact that we don't know that. So, I mean, uh, and I hope you can work with me on that, but not because I'm saying you're wrong, just because I think that we stay clear when we do that. The premise of what you're saying, though, I, I think you're absolutely right. It does get tossed together. The question, what is what is an ideology though james like for for the sake of batting the ball around because you brought it up what is an ideology in your mind when you see it and try not to put it in a box of like white supremacy or whatever but what is an ideology yeah no like um i don't know I, i'd say like a bigger worldview that somebody else subscribes to that might be uh like philosophized on or yeah. what have you so what i hear there and i'm just i want i'm trying to uh get you to share your opinion as we try to explain this. That's why I'm, I'm not quizzing you by any means. Um, so what I hear you say is that it's basically you're adopting someone else's opinion, right? It's kind of like, you know, someone else said that it's better if we, you know, are, are bad people and therefore we're going to be bad people or we can become famous. The famous part is very real that the ideology of uh, becoming famous and having your name go down in the record books or whatever. I mean, that seems to be a very real part of this, but wouldn't that you, you said about realizing mental health is, is a big deal, James, but wouldn't that be a mental health issue of knowing that, you know, morals and ethics, being able to identify what is, what is right and what is wrong. You don't have to agree with it, but there are consequences. 
uh, in today's agreements in our society. But wouldn't that still just be a mental health issue, getting sucked into wild ideologies? Because we're talking about oh, wild yeah. ones. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Actually, and I, I, I'm not going to spe- – I can't say too, too much because it was a cursory glance. But I believe yeah. uh, it might be interesting to look up that um, – uh, some videos and other written online things from the Sandy Hook shooter, who was not uh, came kind of came to light, and they're not um, like ideologically really driven or anything like that. Mm. Um, like a more again, uh, like sounds very mental health um, related to me. So yeah, guess, and so that's yeah. that's kind of why I go back to that point. Like, regardless of ideology, and I, I get ideology as an influence. But I would go back to the mental health, at least the mental fortitude of being able to say, hey, this rabbit hole that I, 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 I'm reading is wildly wrong. And this is where we can get in the conversation about, you know, uh, you know, it's information of proximity, right? Facebook, whatever. Oh, hey, I read about this terrible ideology. Therefore, I'm going to feed you more of this ideology. So you feel like you belong for more clicks. I mean, that really exists in this world today. And I think that some of these people are just rather disarmed and they get sucked into it. But James, sometimes people are angry and sometimes people are lost and sometimes people shoot their grandmother before they go kill strangers. And that can't be a healthy person. I don't think that can be a healthy person. Good Lord. No, no, absolutely not. I'm just, I guess, I guess like the reason I called in was just to make sure that like, you know, the same Things applied to everyone, and we're not just saying yeah. some cases are mental health and some cases are. You're right. Vin- vin- I agree. I, well, and it becomes convenient, doesn't it, to put them in a box, like put these these people, these bad people, in a box? And and you're right with the double standards. So I, I'm not quizzing you, James. I just appreciate batting the conversation ball around because I think we're all trying to find our way through this. Uh, you know, and and do you think that we've become a little bit complacent? Do you think that we've become desensitized to this at this point? Oh yeah. No, absolutely. I think in Canada, if it happens again, like we, it's it, <laughs> not to sound callous towards the States, but I think we take it a little more seriously. Like, you know, we still remember, um, the Ecole Polytechnique mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. those well, Nova Scotia so, two years ago, right? That anniversary oh, yeah. just passed. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. James, I appreciate you calling in and, and batting this ball around. You're helping me find my way through this, too, because I don't want to be cold and callous about it because there are children and and that story about, like, there, there are people that are no longer mothers and fathers, right? Like, I don't want to be cold and callous, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like the needle ever moves on it, man. Oh, no, totally agree. Cheers. All right. All right, have a great morning. Thanks, James. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.